Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Ticket Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. On today's show, I sit down with Greta Gerwig, writer and director of Little Women, her adaption of the classic coming-of-age novel starring Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Emily Watson, and Timothy Chalamet. Gerwig talks about casting Ronan, why she calls the film an action movie, and why Chalamet was allowed to pretty much dress himself to play Laurie. I'll have that and a whole lot more from Gerwig after the break. wish you could get more from your podcast well you can with buzzfeed daily hosted by me casey rackham and me zach safford on our show we've got more good news and more pop culture more memes and more celebrity tea more of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet every weekday evening we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed listen to buzzfeed daily on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Welcome back to the big ticket. Here's Greta Gerwig. So let's, let's talk do about it. Let's do this. So I was there at the SAG screening at the well, DGA oh, that oh, night. Oh, oh, at the DGA that night. Oh my God. That was, I a, have was crazy. I've never seen people. Okay. First of all, trying to get into the parking garage across the street. Oh my God. At least I saw uh, almost four accidents. Oh no. I actually did scratch my car. Oh God. I'm yes, sorry. Oh it's no. It's not your fault. Oh, it's no. not your fault, but I did. Wow. Wow. The excitement was crazy. People were sitting on the floor. I'm sure you saw it. They were sitting on the floor. People were saying, you can't sit on the floor. It's a fire hazard. And people were like, I'm not leaving. I'm seeing this movie. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I did not know that completely, but I did see it was a very full house. It was. It was very exciting. It was also the first time we'd really... I mean, that, that, that 48 hours, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, but it was the first time we'd really shown the movie. Right. So... um it was, well, it was scary. And you came out there and you were nervous. I was very nervous. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever not get nervous? No, I get nervous every single time. I, it's, it's two things that people are, people say things like, oh, you must be used to this by now, which I never, never get used <laughs> to it. And also the another thing is sometimes people say, 
like sort of like oh but i you know i liked it but like you're tired of hearing that i'm like i'm never tired of hearing that i've been working on this for years i'm thrilled I, there's not a day when i'm like i don't want a compliment of course it's so nice um but yeah i was really really nervous i still get nervous every single time it's shown now do you watch it with an audience or you can't do that uh i have watched it with an audience but i did not watch it with an audience this past uh this past week i'm gonna watch it again i think when they they are they're gonna show a a print um when we have our premiere in new york Mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna watch it then there's always it comes a time when you realize it's the last time you'll watch it um why do you say that well you stop watching it at a certain point and 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 it's sad it's you're done with that journey because Mm. And and it's also hard because all you do the entire process of editing is look for what's wrong with it, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to turn that part off in your brain right. um, because you're you're still you're always making the movie in your head still. So uh, and it's hard to accept defeat. <laughs> and how, how do you turn over that final know. cut? I don't know to the studio and say, okay, this. This is what we're going to show those audiences at the DGA. It's awful. It's an awful <laughs> process. I, no, I mean, it's, um, well, I, I mean, what I will say is you, you start, the, the, the decisions that um, are left to the end uh, feel perhaps more momentous to you than they are because they're the last right. vestige of control that you have. Um, but... The but this process because it's you know it's a it's a complicated movie it's a lot of characters there's several timelines there's it's pure it's in the 19th century it's um no it's just a lot's going on in this film so the editing process took a long time and it's um complicated and 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 extremely satisfying because it was we worked the material so mm-hmm. much, but it, it took a long time and there were just some outstanding things that I, I wasn't letting go of. And, um, I still, even after the first screening, I thought maybe we could, could we get it one half a day back in the mix? And then everyone's like, it's pencils down. You're done. You're done. Stop it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that you ever really feel like, done you just have to be done you just have to let it go you have to let I mean, it go it's, it's any art I, I think there's a moment when the movie starts belonging to some to people other than you and mm. you know when it starts happening you feel it start happening right. you feel it start living in them more than it lives in you and um it doesn't belong to you anymore so take me back to the day you say you know what i'm gonna take this classic this <laughs> beloved classic that you've loved that everyone has loved, that yeah. we've seen done yeah. a few times. Yeah. You say, okay, this is what I want to do. Do you call your agent? Do you call, <laughs> how, does, how does that happen? Well, um, it, was, it, it, was a, I, it, it was mentioned in passing, actually, that there might be a possibility of people being interested in making this film and uh, making Little Women. And I happened to overhear someone say it and i said what do you mean i just overheard someone yeah it was my agent it was my agent talking to someone else and they say oh well amy and folks at sony are talking about and i was like well are you serious and this was before i had directed lady bird so i didn't have any um 
real reason to be considered for this at all um and but i went i went in and i i said we well, have to get me a meeting you have to because i had this 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 love of this book and then i also uh, re revisiting it as an adult there were so many things that jumped out at me right. that were i felt like i have to make this movie mm. and then it just you know serendipity so happened to to be that so when it Anyway, I was I was originally hired to write the screenplay, but I didn't um, I didn't they didn't tell me I could direct it. <laughs> I mean, I told them no one else can direct it. I must direct it, and they were like, "All right, well, you've never directed anything, so um, or that you've never solo directed anything." Right. So, in any case, I I was just I was hell bent on it. I was hell bent on it, and it's funny because it's. Um, I've never quite gone after something like that. And I mm. felt the confidence I had was in some ways the confidence of the character of Joe right. and Louisa May Alcott as Joe. And then similarly, when Sersha heard I was thinking of making the movie, she just told me she was going to be Joe. <laughs> it wasn't like, I'd like to play Joe. It was like, I'll be playing Joe. And um, she was correct. <laughs> she, 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 would, she, she was going to be playing Joe. But I feel like I was... I feel like I was braver and perhaps a bit cockier than I would be usually mm -hmm. because I had this character and this author behind me. Okay. Did so you you sit down, Sersha says, so you have Joe cast. Yes. These are, you know, these are iconic I know. figures. I know. How do you it's it sort of goes back to what we were saying before, like how do you make the decision like, okay, this is the one? Well, and I think, you know, well, one thing about them being iconic and beloved was that um, was that, that was something I was also getting to play with. Because mm -hmm. the wonderful thing about using uh, iconography that a group of people share is that you then get to subvert and uh, have a conversation with that. Mm -hmm. So um, the kind of coziness of it, the Christmas cozy sisters right. all together, this thing, that that became the childhood that they can't get back to that right. that became the snow globe that that became the thing that you know we meet them all as adults separately in their own spheres and joe's trying to be a writer selling works in new york amy's trying to be a painter beth is dealing with her health meg is at home with her twins and her husband and i just thought what if the thing that they're nostalgic for is also the thing we are nostalgic for as an uh -huh. audience if what if we're aligned with them in that way and, uh, but I mean, in terms of deciding to do it, the only thing I can suss out about making movies is you just get to a point where it has to be almost painful for you to not make it, that mm -hmm. it feels like it's, I'm stealing this from Cheryl Strait, actually. She said it when she was talking about writing novels. She said, it's like you're growing another heart inside your body. Mm -hmm. You've got to get that other heart out. Otherwise, it's going to be a big problem. <laughs> Otherwise, you have two hearts and there's too much pumping blood. I don't know. I don't know what the result is. of right. two, But it does. You feel, you almost feel like, I feel pressure building up behind my eyes and or in my chest. And I, I know if I don't do it, it will create some problems. Mm. Um, so... It just becomes, uh, and, 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 you know, the belovedness makes it terrifying, but right. the terrifying is also part of what makes it all so attractive to me. 
also how yeah how 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 what a big canvas it was how mm-hmm. complex the story was how sprawling it was all of that is just terrifying and, how, and also and how modern it is and how, how modern, modern it is it. and and kind of um finding all of that and making it modern but not anachronistic and mm-hmm. making it big but also personal all of these straddling all of these things i mean at one point i i was like well this is a I'm, this is a pretty, this is a, this is a, whatever the, it is in figure skating where they have to go a triple into a triple. <laughs> I was like, this is a, this is a, you know, you could, it's that. It's a, it felt like a challenge. I mean, more than a challenge. It felt like nearly, nearly impossible, mm-hmm. but I think, um, that's the only way f- for me mm. is that kind of feeling of, I can't, but I must. So tell me about the first day on set. Mm. You know, the first day on set was actually, um, I mean, I, I spend so much time in prep and I'm a heavy prepper and I'm a heavy shot lister and storyboard and everything because I'm a big believer in you make your movie in prep. And once mm-hmm. you call action, that it's over. Like mm-hmm. the, 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 those things, those moments are over. Right. And we had two weeks of rehearsal and, we had all this time leading up to it, but actually one of the very first days, well, the first day of doing camera tests um, and hair and makeup tests, which aren't technically part of the movie, but as far as I'm concerned, as soon as we're running celluloid, right. it could be in the movie. And I saw Sersha find Joe. Joe showed up. Mm. It was. It makes me kind of goosebumpy to think about it but she showed up and and Saoirse knew she showed up and I knew she showed up and I we were doing we were doing a long push in we were trying a you know a certain um wig on her and and then she just sat away she tilted her head away and I was like oh my god she's here (laughs) and then I tried to I run up to her after we rolled out and she just said I know I know and I and we both knew we were like she's here and it there's I don't know what that is. It's Sersha's gift. She's she can channel this mm-hmm. thing that I I, you know, we both knew we had faith she'd show up, and then she did show up. Um, and uh, and then one of the first real scenes that we shot was I think if it wasn't the first day, it was the second day. Was um, when Friedrich tells Joe he doesn't think her writing is good, mm-hmm. and she was oh. just on fire and I was sitting, I didn't, well, I wasn't looking at the monitor. I was just sitting by the camera and I, um, I mean, it was like watching my favorite play over right. and over again and her total, it, it, there's this moment where she says, no one will, no one will forget Joe March. And when mm. she says it, it's this combination of utter arrogance and complete self doubt. What if they all forget Joe March? Right. And, <laughs> and, and she does it both at once and, and it's a stunning kind of, I don't know how she does it, but it's this, I felt like it was everything I understand of like being so nervous. Somebody's reading something and then they tell you they don't like it and you're just crushed. And, mm-hmm. and she embodied everything about that pain of showing yourself and then also having that knowledge of maybe it's really not good enough. And right. trying to you know, mask, trying to mask that you have that knowledge. Of, yes, oh, it's, the, <laughs> it's so many things. But she, anyway, it was that was that was really early because honestly, every single day on set was a huge day. 
There was no day. It's like, oh, what day is this today? <laughs> oh, the day when Beth dies. Or, you know, I was like, there was no day that was <laughs> just. Laughing. I should I mean, but I know what you no, mean. No, or, oh, what is it today? Oh, she almost kills her other sister. I mean, it's not, there was never a day that was. It was an small. action movie. It was an action movie. Uh, we exhausted. They all lost so much weight doing this because we were just running them ragged. Right. I mean, they all got gaunt by the end of it. <laughs> they were like, they were like shadows of their former it's like selves. The opposite of the freshman fifteen. <laughs> no, they were like. By the end, I felt like poor Susha. Her skirts were just hanging off of her, and I, I just, I just destroyed her youth. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Gerwig reveals what she gave Timothy Chalamet to help him get into character. Plus, is there a musical movie in her future? I'll have that and more coming up after this short commercial break. Hey, everybody. This is Jake Brennan, host of Disgraceland and the 27 Club. I want to talk to you about another podcast that I produce called Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story. Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story, is a 10-episode look at the madness and genius of record producer Phil Spector. Phil Spector and the music he created shifted and shaped American culture. But behind his famous wall of sound, there was a darkness, violence, and an intense inferiority complex that those who knew him and worked with him were all too familiar with, and that led to the senseless murder of actress Lana Clarkson. With Phil's recent death in the news, Blood on the Tracks has become all the more relevant. Just like Phil Spector, this podcast sounds like nothing you've heard before, because you can't push the needle into the red without leaving a little blood on the tracks. Listen to Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Here's more of Greta Gerwig. How do you look at Joe and Amy specifically different mm. now, having made the movie, mm. having written the script, to when you first read Little Women? Well, I think I had the reaction to Amy that a lot of people have, which was, that, you know, well, Joe and Amy, which was Joe was my heroine and Amy was her enemy. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that was, that seems to be pretty clear to me that Amy was this, thing that was in the way of, of right. her. Um, but I have to say, Amy was one of the revelations for me reading the book as an adult. She says so many things in the book that are incredible and completely different than Joe. But I felt like I'd never heard her say any of this stuff mm. when she says, I want to be great or nothing. That's in the book, which is what? <laughs> she says, I want to be great or nothing. nothing. And then she says... You know, I didn't even have room for some of the great things she said. She said, uh, I don't pretend to be wise, but I am observant. You're like, good Lord. <laughs> she really sees the whole world. And her kind of, you know, decision that's very, that seems very crass about I want to marry for money is not, she's looking at the world and she sees it for what no, it is. Then she and she gives that speech and it, figure it's it a out. smart move. Yeah, it's a smart move given what her options are at this moment. And I just, it, it, she she sort of became a heroine to me. And then I was reading. Um, I have to, I just because yeah. before we started this, we were talking about the crown. All of a sudden, yes. I'm thinking about Queen Elizabeth and Princess Margaret. 
Interesting. It's the same, it's the same thing. Dynamic. That's fascinating. In many, many ways. Because it literally. I know. Whoa. I can't wait for the new. Anyway. Um, but yeah, but I had read, I had also read, one thing that was really interesting to me was that I had read um, some literary criticism, lots of fascinating literary criticism about um, little women, about um, feminism, about um, gender, about uh, authorship, just really neat stuff. Like mm -hmm. from down to things like, you know, Joe is a, girl with a boy's name Lori is a boy with a girl's name and they're right. kind of they're kind of androgyny with each other right. uh, but along those lines that neither Joe Joe nor Amy is feminine really they're not really no. I mean Joe no. says the entire book that she wishes she had been born right. a boy which you can read a couple of different ways one of which is just well that's just smart because boys have better lives um, <laughs> but Amy her femininity is almost like a, a garment she puts on because it's expedient to get what she wants, right. which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So, and they are formidable foils for each other, but I see them both as androgynous and mm -hmm. that they just kind of take on mm -hmm. what they need to, to get where they're going. Um, whereas I think, uh, we might see Meg or Marmy as more traditionally right. identified with femininity and right. feminine values, which it's sort of fascinating that, mm -hmm. but Amy's sort of too much. She's ambitious and she's great. She's, right. she's wild. Um, and, and is so that, it's and not, is that, is that feminine? feminine? Okay. Quote, and we're, we're doing quote air quotes. Right. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> right. not really. No. I mean, she wears a dress well, but that's just the windows. But like she, that's just the window. But in the end, she stands up for herself and she does what she wants because this is going to make her life better. Better. Is that again? And this is how feminine. she's going to get where she's going. Right. Um, and so there was, there was all of that in there. And then, um, and then when I was building with the, with with the research what i was doing uh, another thing i found about i thought about amy which was fascinating was well i kind of wanted to look at each sister as having an art and a serious art that mm -hmm. joe wants to be a writer amy wants to be an, a painter or a sculptor a visual artist amy beth wants to uh, be a pianist uh, music and um meg wants to be an actor and i really was like well what if we treat these as not quaint but serious and right. you know giving beth her moment of playing you know, beautiful, um, you know, 19th century piano sonatas at Mr. March's house makes you think, oh, she's just as ambitious as the rest of them. Right. Um, that, that we would take this seriously. And I thought about Amy March going to Europe and that when she went to Italy, she, she saw, you know, the Sistine Chapel. She saw all the old masters and she realized she'd never be that because it's over. And then when in Paris... What's happening in 1868? Manet is painting and Cezanne right. is painting and all of a sudden everything's changing and Impressionism is starting and what is the earliest beginnings of modernism is mm -hmm. coming. And I'm just thinking of her looking at those paintings and thinking, oh no, <laughs> oh no, what do I do? And I just thought, you know, that, that in some way, that's not from the book explicitly, but it is, of the time. Right. And I just thought it gave a, a layer of, of, of seriousness and a historical watershed moment where everything starts turning. Mm. And um, in any case, I love her. And I love Florence Pugh who plays her. Oh, I so know. Gross. And I always knew it had to be Florence. So when did you see Mids Midsommar? 
Oh, I saw. <laughs> I saw. I saw that. I saw that in the when it came out. Um, yeah. yeah, and I was just I was terrified and and um, just completely. Of course, she's amazing, and also uh, that it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> but she's the perfect Amy. She's the perfect. She has the voice. She yeah. has this contemporary. I don't know. I was talking about it the other day. She has this modernity to yeah. her that doesn't make her completely out of that time period, but gives her some kind of edge that the other sisters just don't. Yeah. And she's also uh, Florence as a person, but Florence as an Amy, she's not afraid. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she's got a low center of gravity. She can't be knocked over and she's not afraid. She's not afraid of anyone. Right. And I think that comes across. And I think I knew I, because of the way I'd constructed this and because of these, what I wanted Amy to represent, I knew I had to have someone who could punch the same weight class as Saoirse. Right. And Florence can stand her ground. <laughs> <laughs> so, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. It just seems obvious why yeah. he's the perfect Laurie. He's but Laurie. Did that just come to you <laughs> right away? I don't think that was ever. It <laughs> was not like a, it was not like a, well, I, you know, I, I knew. Well, once I had, I mean, Saoirse was the one who told me she was doing it. And then once I started seriously putting the cast together, it was just, he was always the person. He was always the mm-hmm. person. There was never really, yeah. I, I. And I, I, I think I, I, I mean, he wanted to do it and I also made him do it. I sort of was like, dude, you'll just be meeting us in Massachusetts, friend. <laughs> um, um, but he was, you know, I mean, he, he was, he's the most wonderful um, young man and, and truly very, for me, these, the caliber of a male actor in this, in this too, between Timothy Chalamet and Bob Odenkirk and Chris Cooper and James mm-hmm. Norton. It's it's uh, it's good men sporting good women, and mm. I, it's, I find it very moving uh, what they what they give in the film. And mm-hmm. I love the characters of the men in Little Women, and it was very gratifying to see these great actors be those people for these women. Mm. But Timothy wore too much jewelry. What no, he didn't. He didn't. He just kept, he always calls me Rain, Wayne Gretzky, or there's a, a variety of nicknames. But like, he just wanted to wear so many rings in every scene because I had actually given him essays to read, which I don't know if he actually read about um, the dandy and the flaneur. Uh, mm-hmm. This is Baudelaire essays and it's sort of the kind of positioning of the 19th century. Uh, the wanderer of mm-hmm. urban areas. And I thought because Lori had grown up in Europe and likes fashion in the book, he loves clothes. Mm-hmm. He's always buying too many <laughs> neckties, which is sort of great. And, um, you know, I had him in search of trade clothes, the whole movie to kind of reinforce this androgyny with each other. But I was having him read about the, Yeah. The theory of dandies and, the, mm. and, and, um, in any case, I don't know that he really read the essays, but he definitely <laughs> lighted on. Maybe he, they wear a lot of rings um, because they don't show up with all these rings and sort of doodads. And um, I, I, but you know, the truth is, I, Jacqueline, the costume designer, said Timothy has such a fabulous sense of style yeah. that she basically would just let him kind of do what he wanted. She'd hang a bunch of different costumes in his trailer and say, whatever you want to put together. I mean, there are and, things he wears on the red carpet right now that Laurie would wear. 
Oh yeah. Anyway, well, no. no I mean, he's, I thought about that. He was, he, he was like, he kind of had this like, oh, I want to wear billowy shirts all the time now. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think you have a, but you could start a trend, a, a billowy, a billowy shirt. shirt. Like, what happened to those? Terrific. The new collection. I mean, it billowy should be a by new Timothy collection. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a collaboration with Raph Simmons. <laughs> I don't know. That was a name I know. I don't know. Is that a Fashion person? You know what? It worked. I think that it totally is. worked. Yes. That totally worked. Yeah. It makes me sound like I really have a much deeper knowledge of fashion than I do. <laughs> so you go from little women mm-hmm. to Barbie. Oh yeah. Well, we don't know that that's the line yet. It's just actually actually I'm I'm going little women and then I I, I'm I'm acting in the spring How in a dare play. You? I know in, the, in a play. I'm <gasps> acting in Where? Chekhov's Three Sisters at New York Theater Workshop. Um so that's terrifying. Um, so but wait, you're going, okay, now you're going to be doing Three Sisters while writing Barbie. While writing Barbie, just as Chekhov always intended. <laughs> I mean, didn't isn't that how he saw Masha in his mind as penning Barbie? Um, no, I mean, listen, Noah and I love Margot Robbie as an actor, as yep. a producer, as a creative force. And she came to us and had a very exciting kind of idea and was interested to hear our ideas and um I can't really speak to it yet because it's early days but it's a very exciting prospect what do you think when you get a phone call say hey Margot Robert wants to call you wants to talk to you about Barbie you think hell yes <laughs> hell yes like that's basically what I was, I was like totally I'm 100% there for it so she's yeah I mean no part of me actually even thought I was just so excited. And also, she's just she's great. I mean, I, have I, a just, gr- I just I just did a podcast with her last year on her. I, I mean, doesn't cr- everyone? I have a gay crush on. I mean, I actually feel even though she's younger than me, much younger than me. I don't know how old she is. She's the age of beautiful. <laughs> like, but she, I feel around her the way I felt around older girls when I was young, mm-hmm. that they were just so beautiful. She, and, she, and the and, way she carries herself. I know. And she's just cool too. Really cool. And, and, and her husband is super smart. Anyway, the whole thing is just like, it's so fun also for me and Noah to write together. And we've just made movies separately and it's a good way to, um, make each other laugh so have you discussed going into a board season together as oh. competition <laughs> we don't discuss it as competition but um but it, you it, are. it is funny because we're both here and we're both every night we're going to different things right um and uh i guess you know we're, we're it, technically it's technically that's true but in reality i mean in reality i i i mean Marriage Story is amazing. It's I mean, it's amazing. incredible. It's an amazing Little Women film. Is an amazing oh, film. <laughs> thank you. But I mean, I just, I'm couldn't be, you know, more proud and also, he's so worthy of everything. So, which film are you voting for? that's a terrible that's terrible i that's terrible i mean i think we probably need to talk maybe what we'll do is i'll vote for him he'll vote for me then you just cancel it out that doesn't count i know but isn't that nice (laughs) or you say you're voting (laughs) yeah secretly i'm like you oh i'm gonna look over your shoulder and i'll be like it's mine and it's like by one vote no how um, are you gonna write together do you know what that 
going to oh, work we, like? Oh, yeah. Well, we've, I love writing with Noah. It's yeah. so fun. I mean, uh, it's a lot of talking and then it's a lot of like, I'll go away and work on some pages and he'll go away and work on some pages and we trade. And because I love him as a writer so much, it's, he's, he's the most coveted laugh I have. Like mm-hmm. if, if I can get him to laugh, it's like, that's, then we're good. And, oh, that's amazing. and it's, um, I, yeah, I just love it's, it's writing can be quite lonely, very and, lonely. And to have someone you can do it with makes it uh, so, so nice. Someone who has a good laugh. Someone who has a, good, have laugh. a good laugh. Yeah. Does he have a good laugh? He has a really good laugh. Yeah. It, it is like, it's rare that you get the full Noah laugh, like mm-hmm. the full, like he really can't breathe. He's laughing so hard. Um, I've maybe done it like a handful of times and it's so worth it when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the one film, my last question for yeah. today, the one film you can watch over and over again and you'll never get bored? Over and over and I can never get bored of. Oh, I think for me, that's there's a lot of different films that mm-hmm. fall into that category because that's sort of what I do with a movie that I'm obsessed with mm. is... You know how some people listen to a song again and oh, again. Yeah. I do that with a mo- I do that with movies. So there's a there's a lot of different movies that fall into that category of just I could almost sing them for you. Mm. I know them so well. But um, I mean, literally singing in the rain. I've seen hundreds. What is it about singing in the rain? It was one of my earliest movies I saw. It's uh, Gene Kelly is my first love. Mm. Mm. And I wanted to be Gene Kelly. I don't know. It was a combination. It's tap dancing. It's it's a movie about movies. It's a movie about making things. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about artists. It's the most joyful thing. It's the most joyful movie. I like for so many reasons that movie. It's an over and over and over movie. I'd say. I mean, a lot of them are musicals for me. Mm-hmm. Actually, movie I like musicals. That. I like that. Um, and in some ways, Alexandre Desplat said to me after I showed him the movie, which was terrifying but also <laughs> wonderful, he was like, "You've made a you've made a ballet, you've made a musical," and I, uh-huh. and I that meant so much to me because that's always how I think of my work, even though I don't have songs in them yet. I mean, at some point, I'm just gonna go full movie I was just musical. Say, when are you gonna do a musical? Do you have ideas? Yep. <laughs> Re- remakes, reboots, or your own? <laughs> I can't jinx any my own, but <sighs> I'm, I, I, mm, I've Barbie feel, the musical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I feel I was well. One thing I feel that the world is really missing right now is tap dancing. That's just I'm just Listen, gonna I say that. I remember seeing Tap Dance Kid when I was a kid with oh, Saving Glover. Tap dancing is my favorite. Oh, Saving Glover! I was oh. such a crush on him. Oh, and if you just tap, the noise, and then I would the hear, funk. I would hear I stories that he would have massage, massage therapists backstage oh my, I in between each number stories, yeah. because yeah. they had to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean tap dancing is one of my favorite favorite things um but yeah yeah singing in the rain over and over and over um but you know i would say the first 20 minutes of um west side story the jerome robbins choreography is like it's just it's a, it's a heart-stoppingly good yeah um yeah i mean i there's i've got a i've, I've You're got a, a musical mama yeah, the, yeah. Uh, i would say jules and jim the way mm-hmm. it moves the way it feels mm-hmm. i've done that i mean done that I, I went through a period of time with that. Um, 
Howard Hawks movies. Um, I, his Girl Friday, I watched over and over and over because it, because mm. even though it's not music, it is the they speak so quickly. Right, right, right. Oh, Rear Window. I mean, I mean again and yeah. again and again. Um, I, they're you know that they tend to be the movies that you want to live inside of somehow. Right. right. Um, I and know exactly what and they give you kind of a visceral visceral hit. It's probably like dopamine. It's probably the same thing. Well, that, it's probably it's pro- there. It's an antidepressant in a way because it gets yeah. your adrenaline going in the same way. I yeah exactly. And it's I think it has some it kind of it. There's sort of two. I I think there's two distinct pleasures of watching movies. Like the first time, which is always exciting, but then the sort of like anticipatory. Uh, ritual of seeing something you've seen before and knowing that yeah it's like playing a song again and again mm-hmm. it, it it gives you another layer of pleasure and i and think you notice something that you just you're like that was there the first time i saw it how, i know wait, how did i miss that i know i know that's how that's how um that's why i feel about about those about those those things is just kind of that you get it again and again but also it's like um saying a rosary, mm-hmm. except for not you don't get forgiven. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Greta, this is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, now I want to go watch Singing in the Rain. Yeah, West yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, yeah. My, fir- my first Broadway show I ever saw was Forty Second Street. Oh, which one? With Tyne Daly? Oh no, no, no. no. Oh, more. Oh yeah. Okay. This was. Oh, not Tyne Daly. Um, Jerry Orbach was in it. Yes. But in like nineteen ninety. Uh, 1980s. 1980s. This was seven? August, Columbus Day weekend. Columbus Day weekend. I was in the fifth grade in 1982. I saw 42nd Street on Broadway in 1989 when I was five, and I've never gotten that out of my mind. And it was right. the same production, I'm pretty sure. That was Greta Gerwig. Little Women is in theaters now. It's also up for two Golden Globes, including a Best Actress nomination for Saoirse Ronan. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. See you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.